0: Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. To uh, lead us into uh, our final message of our New Year Don't Forget series. Um, uh, we uh, started off in in Jan- first week of January, don't forget prayer and fasting. And uh, thank you for people that are engaged in prayer and fasting over this season. Uh, 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 an abstinence from Uh, taking food at particular times in other words in in order that we can uh, concentrate on prayer and then we looked at don't forget the bible and really the essence of that was just to seek to encourage us every one of us to try and engage with the bible the word of god at at another level it may be that your reading's been in and out and uh, god's just encouraging you to have a plan to work through it And uh, to read the Bible on a daily, regular basis, it will bless you. Christian was here last week, he's in Mansfield this morning with Josh. And Christian uh, led the ministry in Don't Forget Worship. And this morning, we're concluding our series with simply saying, don't forget the gathering. Don't forget the gathering. And uh, uh, we're going to put a Bible verse up, which actually... Uh, Didn't need a lot of thinking about, and Julie's already quoted it in the lead of the meeting this morning. But in Hebrews 10 and 25, uh, and I want to read just the verse before, it says in verse 24, And let us, plural, consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, As is the habit of some, it was two thousand years ago, it's still today. I'll come to that in a moment. But encouraging each other, and all the more as you see the day approaching. If the day was approaching then, the day is certainly approaching now. We are not it's not a call to a holy huddle, it's not a call to be putting duct tape on the windows and all the stuff that strange things happen when people go weird on the day, but it is. Encourages and afresh this morning to not forget in 2019 the vital truth of gathering together. These four simple messages have simply been placed before you to seek to remind us of just essential elements of growing in faith. And this morning, you say, Phil, I've not become a believer yet. We'll give opportunity for you to respond at the end. But one of the great things that you can find this year is a new family. And the power of coming together with other people. It may be that you've tried to do it all on your own. It may be that you felt literally lonely, isolated, rejected, pushed aside. And God's saying this morning that you can find an amazing sense of blessing in coming together. This morning, we're not seeking to do all the teaching on the church. You're going to have to come to the Arena Ministry School to get that. But what we're saying this morning is that in Arena Church, without any sense of apology, just as we believe in prayer and fasting, just as we believe in the Bible to shape our lives, just as we believe that worship always means God first, we say this morning that in Arena Church... We believe with conviction in the power of the gathering. We also believe that as the church gathers, so it also scatters. Somebody said to me once, uh, numbers of years ago now, all you're bothered about is Sunday. I said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You clearly aren't listening very carefully because we're forever using Sunday to set you up for Monday. And you see, some Christians today want to be set up for Monday by bypassing Sunday, and it doesn't work. God is doing something in you right now that is getting you prepared for your calling into the office, into the hospital, onto the building site, driving the white van, doing the school run, whatever it may be. And something gets laid on us when we gather, gathering So that there may be a scattering. And the kingdom goes in all sorts of different places as we gather it together. Now, I can only assume that this is important to God, the gathering. Because I find sometimes there is so much pushback on it. And there's a side going up that's going to give us four things that often crop up regarding the pushback. Let me try and work through them briefly number one you don't have to go to church to be a Christian how many times have you heard that now this is from people that aren't Christians telling us that we don't have to go to church to be a Christian the reality is there's an element of truth in that because I have met people that have become Christians before ever they went to church God spoke to them they were reading something they met a friend and they committed their life to Jesus before ever stepping into what we would call a church building. I also understand that church is not defined by this building. There is nowhere in the New Testament where the church is defined by structure. It's always the component of people. I understand that. I understand in our language of we go to church, is not strictly true. The church is going to the building. I get it all. But the reality is that when you are a Christian and when you have become a Christian, the Bible clearly teaches us that we need to find some other people that will help us in our faith. When you commit to a gathering, you are setting yourself up for a win and not for a loss. I say it with a heavy heart this morning, but I have had some people second-guess God over the years of church and they've ran to this well I don't need to go to church to be a Christian and I have to say today as I think of some people going through my mind right now their faith is at best cold and at worst completely shipwrecked we need the gathering number two they're all hypocrites in the church all hypocrites you've heard that one and uh, I want to say that true community is actually the very opposite of this. I find that people that aren't believers are forever hiding behind masks. That's where the word comes from. In, in ancient Greek theatre, often they would perform the play behind a mask. Hippocrates, that's what it means. So I don't, I don't find that the church is forever behind masks. I find the world is hiding behind All sorts of stuff. Um, Because they can't find their identity. Now, let me just give you a little story about the reality of the church. One of our worship team in Mansfield, Patrick, Big Patrick, South African. You know, if ever you want somebody to escort you somewhere that's dodgy, Patrick's the guy. And his, his father got saved late in life and his dad was the catalyst for the whole family to come to Jesus And it's just been great to see Patrick develop. Patrick's family, UK, South Africa, and his daughter, uh, his sister that lives in Sydney, all coming together for a gathering at the end of last year, including his mum. His mum takes ill uh, while she's in Australia and sadly passes away. His sister goes to Hillsong, the big Hillsong, Balkham Hills, big, big church. I've had people say all sorts of things about Hillsong. Let me tell you, the big church was interested in little people. And Patrick speaking to me last week as, as I was ministering in Mansfield, saying the church was absolutely incredible. They visited his mom in a hospital. They did the, the funeral and, and all the arrangements. No expense to the family. They've pastored them. They've shepherded them. That's the church, friends. That's the, if the church in the UK went on strike tomorrow, there'd be thousands of people with no access to food bank. There'd be mums with no access to mother and toddler. There'd be old people, lonely. You know, we can so often give the church a bad press. I'm in awe of the great things that the church of Jesus Christ does. Now listen to this. This is from a man called Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a a German priest who took on the Nazi regime in the war. And ultimately, just before the end of the war, Paid the ultimate, ultimate price in martyrdom. And Bonhoeffer said, the sooner or later we give up the illusion that the church must be perfect in order to love it and quit accusing all the better. Admit that we're all imperfect and we all need grace. This is real community. So if this morning you're saying they're all a bunch of hypocrites at Arena because occasionally we get it wrong, that is true. We, we occasionally get it wrong. But actually, we're seeking to live not behind a mask, but with great authenticity. And we want you to grasp that. Number three, they only want you for your money. That's another one. You see, well, the reality is we don't, we don't want you for anything but your soul. Because the reality is, this week, what a sad story of a, a football player that costs 15 million pounds. And in a moment, he's ushered into eternity. And I hope the Premier League will put some money into this so that we can continue the search for that plane somewhere in the English Channel. But the reality is that's what we want. We want you to be ready to face God. We want you to live a life for the Lord. The reality is that as we grow in our discipleship journey, God pulls out of us a heart to want to be generous back to a generous God. Some people get that to that quicker than others. But the reality is we are blessed when we give back to him. Here's a story from Tuesday night. I'm in Bilston, the black country. I mean, you know, I'm at a church. It's snowing. And uh, I, said to, I said to Danny, one of the guys, I said, Danny, get me off the car park if it's snowing. I'll get home because he's on about me lying on the couch. I said, I'm there's no way. Um, anyway, it had stopped snowing by the time we got out. The pastor said, I got born again in 1982. Uh, he said, I got wonderfully saved. And he says, my uncle said to me, right, deck now that you're saved, you start tithing. I mean, it was as blunt as that. He said, I've never been good at maths. He said, I on 80 quid and I started to give God 10. So there was two pound extra already. And uh, he said, I've tithed ever since. He got it week, day one. Boom. It may be a journey for some of you, but we're not after your money. Um, even though we've had an amazing season of generosity. And the resource that comes back into this church helps us to love the lost. It helps us to reach out to others. It helps us to do all sorts of things. Fourthly, my, pray, my faith is private. I don't need other people. And of course, we have people around the life of the church temperamentally that are more private than others. We totally respect that. Some of you are very gregarious, outgoing. You know, you light up a party. You know, we can hear you talking. Oh, you know, we know that straight away. Some of you are very, that's great, it's no problem. But the fact of the matter is that you were formed to be part of God's family. Not just tuning in to God TV, but turning out to a gathering. There's people all around this area this morning, friends, still in the gym jams, watching Joyce Meyer on telly, having a cup of coffee, and they need to be here. You know, with respect, because they're going to get, I say this very respectfully to Joyce, they're going to get something here in the reality of a community they're not going to get on the couch. John Wesley, the great pioneering founder of the Methodist revival, says the Bible teaches nothing of solitary faith. And uh, I was in a church in Derbyshire two or three years ago where we were setting in an elder, elder, shepherd, poyman, interchangeable word, a pastor, and he was a a shepherd in a farm in Derbyshire, and he bought his crook and everything, you know. And he said this, he says, sheep are a flock animal. We know they wander, but he says, sheep are made to gather. And the Bible describes us as sheep. You're not meant to do this alone. You're meant to do it by gathering. So little wonder the enemy's pushing back on all of this. But let me just remind you that throughout the Old and New Testament, God forever, that one can come down for a moment, Chris. God, God is forever setting gathering points. So the people of God uh, should have took 13 days to come out of Egypt into the promised land. And because of unbelief, it took 40 years. There are churches, friends, that have had to wait a generation because they didn't step into God's. And then God says, okay, I'll give you a place to meet. It was called a tabernacle, or in more modern translations, a tent of meeting. There was all sorts of rigmarole. There was only one person that could go in the holiest of all, the high priest on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. But there was a gathering point. And then there was, after that, what we call David's tabernacle. So God's presence had been taken from the people for a time. The, the displeasure, the Ark of the Covenant was the sign that God was with them. And when it was in an enemy tribe, it was the sign that God was displeased with them. And when David became king, the first thing he did was to restore the presence of God to Mount Zion, the holy hill, and he built another tent. There was singing and dancing and joy and and all sorts going off. It was a gathering point. And then David says, I want to build a temple. To God. It's going to be so grand. It's going to be amazing. God says. No no. You're not building it. Solomon's going to build it. But I want you to get the blueprint. And I want you to call the offering. And he was a man after God's own heart. And he could have said to God. Well if I'm not building it. I'm not going to get involved. But he did exactly that. And this amazing temple. Was erected to the glory of God. It was a gathering point. And then because the people had turned from God. For 70 years they were in exile. And uh, The temple laid in ruins. The wall laid in ruin. And God began to speak to people like Haggai and Ezra and Nehemiah to come back and restore. And when they came back to Jerusalem for 13 years, the temple still lay in ruins because the people were more interested in building their own houses than the house of the Lord. And there's that little two-chapter book in Haggai. And here's what it turned on, a prophetic word. You think you've got to be complicated. Here's the prophecy. Thus says the Lord, I am with you. And And then the people says, what's the point of building this temple? It's never going to be as good as the previous one. And God says, the glory of the latter house is going to be greater than the glory of the former. The greatest days for Arena Ilkeston are still in front of us, friends. They're not behind us. God's always into doing more, going ahead. I believe it. I really, really do it was a gathering point. And then as we come into the New Testament, Jesus hung around the temple because people gathered. In Mark chapter 2, he did an amazing miracle. when When the man was healed of paralysis, at a gathering point, they had to come down the roof because nobody could get through the door. And then as we go into the uh, later parts of the uh, uh, or, or, or later uh, ver, um, books of the new testament we find that peter and john were going to a gathering at the temple when this chap that had been at the gate for years cried out to them peter says silver and gold have I none." It was a pastor you see um <laughs> and i'll say the joke the oldens are the best because they call it arms a-l-m-s-, A-L-M-S. And uh, he didn't have any arms, but he said, I'm going to give you legs. And uh, and, uh, and, uh, as they go to the gathering, he gets healed. Acts chapter 4, the church under fire is the church on fire. Still works across the world today. 275 million people across the earth in 73 nations, where it's unsafe to believe the same as we believe. Those people are on fire, loving God, not compromising And so, in Acts chapter four, we have a prayer meeting. They gathered, and God came so much so that the place was shaken. And then we get to Acts thirteen. They gathered, and whilst they were worshiping the Lord, the Holy Spirit says, "Separate unto me Paul and Barnabas for the work I've given them." In other words, friends, right? It is. Please forgive the strong strength of the language, but those four pushbacks are lies to push people back from engaging in something that is right at the heart of God, which is gathering, gathering together. And of course, one day, we're going to be gathered forever, new heaven and new earth, worshipping the Lord forever and ever. Somebody said to me once, I'm I'm, going to be a bit worried that heaven's going to be boring. There was a cartoon once by a man called Gary Larson, and he had two people... uh, sat on a cloud playing a harp and one of them in the sort of bubble says, sure, wish i bought a magazine with me. Um, but, um, uh, but the reality is it's going to be winsome. It's going to be beautiful. Whatever it looks like, friends, it ain't going to be boring. And it's going to be community. It's going to be togetherness. It's going to be a gathering of God's people where we worship around the throne forever and ever Of course, the enemy wants to disconnect people from gathering because he understands its value. We understand illness. We understand family responsibilities. We understand crisis. We understand difficult seasons. We get all of that. Whilst there are people on the door welcoming, we've not yet got to where um, they're marking you in. When I was in Sunday school all those years ago, we used to have a star card, and, and by the end of the year, to got that frazzled. And because uh, because uh, you know we come from a pretty ordinary family, we, we got a we got a week in Ingermals if we were if we were fortunate. You know, our stars every week, boom, 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 and then you get a prize at the end of it. We're not going to do that in Arena Church, all right? We understand those seasons, but where possible in grace. We ought to have a heartfelt commitment to the gathering. Bob Gass, a great Bible teacher, says, God does things in the gathering which he won't do anywhere else. And it's true. Now, we come to, back to our Bible verse, so I'm going to pick four things in a moment from Hebrews 10. Hebrews was written for a number of reasons. It was written to, as you can understand from the word, Jewish believers that were coming to faith. And the great temptation was they were going to step back. So time and time again in in these scriptures, there's an encouragement not to step back, but to meet together to encourage each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. By the way, I, I I listen to some people at times, it's like they've never read Hebrews. Let me say this to you. Every shadow and type in the Old Testament was fulfilled in Jesus and Hebrews shows us. We don't make too, little, uh, too much of Jesus, we make too little of him. And when you realise the fulfilment of the new covenant of faith in Christ, it's just absolutely incredible. So here's the encouragement letters. And in the closing minutes of the, of, the, of the message this morning, there's four things I want to touch on very briefly with regard to the power of the gathering. Number one, the purpose of the gathering. The purpose of the gathering. Christian was leading a meeting of leaders uh, just a few days ago and he re-emphasized these three things. I couldn't better it as underpoints to the main point. Arena Church, here's the purpose of our Sunday gathering. Number one, we encounter God. We worship Him. The team, the band, they prepare, they get ready, they lead us. Julie's given us a lead this morning. We want to encounter God. This sets us up as a Christian church. Do you know that there's a, a, a movement across the earth at the moment called the Sunday Assembly? It started, it started in London by, by two comedians. And it's for atheists, reversionists, relativists, people that don't believe in God. But interestingly, they're hiring church buildings to meet. They sing songs. They, they sing uh, Dancing Queen and We Are The Champions. Don't worry, we're not going there this morning. And uh, it's, it's, it's Sunday morning, not Saturday night. So, so, uh, so they, they have a, somebody share a story, a testimony, a story. They have somebody give a bit of a pump-up motivational message and they have teas and coffees afterwards. Isn't that incredible? But no God, no Jesus. What separates us from that is that we want to reach out to the living God, let him wash over us and touch us and bring our praise to him. Number two, we inspire the fount. I said a couple of weeks ago that the, the, the word can often be like a washing. We've been in context this week, challenges, stretch, third things we probably wish we hadn't heard. And the word comes just to wash over us and inspire us again. The gathering that then motivates us to the scattering. Number three, we reach the lost. Most churches get stuck at point two. They, they move from their mission. They, they engage in missional drift. They, they forget the reason the church was planted in the first place. The church is to inspire the found, but the church is also to reach the lost. And our services on a Sunday here at Arena Church are deliberately designed to allow you to bring people. Well, how long's the service going to last at Arena? That's what people. What about an hour and twenty minutes? And what's it all about? And what have I got to do? We ain't got to do anything. So we're forever. Why do we have people welcoming? Why do we have high vis in the car park? Why do we have teasing? Because all the time we're trying to not only think about us but those that haven't yet come. And making it, and and last night, and you, you read Tim's piece on Weekly News, all those events, stepping stones to people. But every Sunday, we deliberately and intentionally are ready for people to be in church that have never been before. And if that's you this morning, you're so welcome at the gathering. So they're the three things. The purpose of the gathering. We're not going to budge from them. We're not going to move from them. We're not going to compromise our faith. We're not going to water it down. But we're trying to make environments where we reach out to God, where we feel some sense of being inspired afresh. And we've always got a heart for people to give them an opportunity to come to Jesus like we have. Number two, the priority of the gathering. The priority of the gathering I want to say this morning that at every phase of your life, you can give this priority away. So you become a Christian. You're still a young person. You can be influenced by peer pressure. What did you do on Sunday? This is going to be a great omen for you at college tomorrow. I went to church. What did you do on Sunday? I sort of went, oh. I went to church. You might be surprised how Somebody says, can I come? University. I lived in a university city. You don't get much better as a university city than Oxford. We lived there for six years, and uh, I used to see people. You know, there were two great churches in the middle of the city that got most of the students. But we were always had an open door for students. But I'm telling you, students second guess this. It was the way out, and I've done my own thing, and they didn't prioritize the gathering. And we want you to be blessed at university, but we don't want you to lose your faith. And you need a gathering. You need a gathering point. If you've got an intention of moving away from this area to another university city in this next year, 2019, one of the first things you ought to be seeking advice about from the pastors will connect you with somebody is finding a gathering in the location where you're going. Vital. and then getting married, having kids. People talk to us at times like we've never had kids. (laughs) I mean, they're both in the... But you know, we're pastoring right from the word go, by vocational, two kids I mean, you know, three women getting ready for church. Come on, you know. I mean, God bless me and when we lived in Jackstown, we we're in walking distance. I said, I'm off, you can come right. Boyfriends don't love them anymore. Doors being slammed. You know, we've done it. We've done it. There is no cast and guarantee that your kids are going to follow your faith, but give them every opportunity. Give them every opportunity. They've got to come to a daughter. They've got to. You know, I've got some friends that have been exemplary Christian parents, and sadly, they've had that fateful day when their son said, "Sorry, it's not for me, Dad." You know. But give them every opportunity, you know. And, uh, you know, with all that that is, you know, they grow on, on a Sunday morning, you have a spat with your husband. You know, it all happens. Family can get in the way of the gathering, but let it be something that takes you on the journey. And then we get to older age and say, well, what's the point of bothering anymore? And on regular occasions in this church, we try and affirm our senior citizens. i do it again this morning. We don't need you walking away. We need you coming too, And you bring more than you ever understand. So the priority of the gathering. And I put two things there. The priority by consistency. Consistency. Consistency wins out. Here's what somebody said. He says that success, successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Ooh, right. And of course, consistency gets tested when it's not easy to be consistent. Yeah. And then punctuality. You say, well, you've got a problem You're in the church sometimes with people getting it all past 10. Hello, it's a UK problem. <laughs> but we encourage you to be punctual where at all possible. Last year, one of our standout days was the last Thursday of May, when in representing uh, Assemblies of God Great Britain, their charitable arm, Sharon and me uh, were invited to uh, the Queen's uh, residence. The, uh, we went to a garden party. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm within 10 metres of Her Majesty. I've got the photos to prove it, you know. It, was an o- it looks like it was going to rain. It never rained. We were not late. <laughs> yeah, we were the Queen. We're coming to the, I don't want to use it, but we're coming to the King of Kings this morning. Do your best. Do your best. to be, Encourage the worship team that we've got a big, full congregation ready to go. The priority of the gathering. Briefly, the uh, participating in the gathering. I've only chanced just to bullet point them. But here's three pictures in the New Testament. A house standing, a body connecting, an army advancing. You bringing your praise, worship, engagement with the meeting means that you are bringing something to the meeting. And we encourage you to keep doing that. And fourthly, as we close, the priority of the gathering. Sorry, the promise of the gathering. The promise. Forgive me for going back to my weekly news of um, last week. I couldn't better it, so I thought I'd use the points again. But when we start to build real unity we then seek to engage in real synergy. And synergy is exactly what it's meant to be. It's that sense of the, of the sum of the parts being, being, being greater. The whole is greater than the sum of the parts. In other words, we can have isolated bits, but when it comes together, it makes an incredible impact. And as I wrote there, I've been listening carefully to the words that people have shared in pre-service meetings, prayer meetings, and unity, oneness, agreement have come up. And I really feel that God said something to us. Synergy produces ministry. Synergy exercises authority. It starts to shift the heavens. And across this area where we live, we need to continually contest in the heavens for God to bring us an open heaven and synergy allows us to move in strategy to understand the how of the forward advance and then deuteronomy says one shall put a thousand to flight but two ten thousand synergy makes no mathematical logical or reasonable sense but the power of it brings us to a place of pressing through in unprecedented ways one final slide And it's one of those that you can only find in the King James Version. Hallelujah. It reads completely different. But I'm grabbing it this morning. It fits in with the message. I'm having it. Unto him shall the gathering of the people be. It's not unto me. It's not unto Christian. It's not unto the trustees. It's unto him. It's unto him. I don't want to just pump it this morning, friends, but I'm believing that the gathering in Ilkiston will so grow that if you are not here on time, you will have a seat. I'm going to have Ann Simpson chasing me because we're going to break every fire and health and safety regulation to get them in. I'm telling you, the momentum of the gathering, the momentum of the gathering, it's not just, well, let's go to church, you know. I don't want that. I don't want that. I want to gather unto him. I don't want to do it on my own. You know, I'm singing in the car. It's, it's not pleasant, you know. But I'm, I'm singing, I'm worshiping. I want to do it with you. I want to come with my brothers and sisters with kids going out, with young people pumping on the second row, with, with the families that have wrestled in this morning with the kids, you know. But they've got here. They've got here with senior citizens that have overcome some physical frailties. That's what I want to do it with. And when we do it unto him, anything can happen. Let's pray.